0: Welcome to another episode of SMW. I'm Brian Cole, your host. SMW is where you will hear about all things sports injury, prevention, recovery, and treatment of some of the most common sports-related musculoskeletal problems that cause pain and disability. On today's episode, we will discuss high ankle sprains. This is a nasty foot and ankle injury that while it's rarely requiring surgery, it's associated with prolonged recovery times and difficulty in getting back to sport. But first, a brief word from our sponsoring supporters.
1: The Sports Medicine Weekly Podcast is brought to you by Midwest Orthopedics at Rush. Being your best means always getting better. Whether you're looking to improve performance, relieve chronic back pain, or restore mobility through minimally invasive joint replacement surgery, Midwest Orthopedics at Rush delivers results. Their specialists are top ranked in Illinois and among the nation's best, working together to make your recovery faster, more complete, and a seamless experience. They'll get you back to living pain-free, often without surgery, so you can be your best every day. Schedule an appointment online at RushOrtho.com. Enhanced Medical Nutrition Enhanced Medical Nutrition builds clinical nutrition products to help patients prepare better and recover faster. The Ortho Nutrition Bundle is a four-week, perioperative nutrition program containing their clinical-grade whey protein isolate and complex carbohydrate powder. Developed in collaboration with internationally renowned nutrition researchers and surgeons, the Ortho Nutrition Bundle is designed to maintain muscle, support wound healing, and improve the recovery experience. To learn more, please visit www.emn.health. Karen Malkin Health Counseling. Have you tried Karen Malkin's new protein brownie bar and superfood bars? They're the best tasting bars on the market certified gluten-free, paleo, and no added sugar. Karen's Protein Brownie Bars and Superfood Bars available on Amazon and at karenmalkin.com. Veracell. Veracell develops, manufactures, and markets autologous cell-based therapies for patients with serious diseases and conditions. For more information about their products, visit www.vcell.com. That's V-C-E-L dot You do a lot of listening in your lifetime. You listen to your doctor, your spouse, and this podcast. It's time to listen to your body. At Rush Physical Therapy, our expert therapists can help you get rid of your aches and pains to get you back to what you love. Go to rushpt.com to learn more.
0: Welcome back, and here we are at Sports Medicine Weekly. Again, I'm your host, Dr. Brian Cole. We have an awesome guest this morning, Dr. Josh James. Who is an expert in this area is a doctor of physical therapy with rush pt and i thought it would be excellent to talk about the concept of high ankle sprains high ankle sprains are different than regular ankle sprains you know this is a situation where you tear or damage ligaments along the ankle, but there's much higher. It's where the tibia, the big bone in the leg connects to the fibula. And this particular area is associated with a much much more prolonged recovery and sometimes a lot of difficulty getting an athlete back to sport. And I think as a listener, it's important for you because ankle sprains are so common. They occur in sports. In fact, ankle sprains occur about 60% of the time during competition, not just practice or training, but during competition. And that's an important number. I can tell you in the NBA, it's associated with a tremendous amount of disability and time loss from sport. And I think for, as, a, as an athlete or as an active individual, understanding the difference between a high and a low ankle sprain is really important. And I think, you know, as a, as a basis, it's important for you to understand that uh, it's not just the location of where the ankle sprain occurs. High ankle sprains involve this inward or outward force along the foot while the foot is sort of flexed up in an upward position and most regular ankle sprains actually happen when the ankle rolls inward. It's most people understand when, when these occur, but low ankle sprains actually happen uh, when the ankle rolls outward. So uh, they don't involve these upper ligaments, these high ankle ligaments, and they're not nearly... Uh, uh, as they're not associated nearly with as long a recovery of difficulty getting back to sports. So when someone has an ankle sprain, most of us are thinking this typical ankle sprain where you get swelling in the lower aspect of the foot, but a high ankle sprain is, is much different. So I thought we would bring Josh on and have him share some of his wisdom and background and uh, equally important, how we actually get uh, someone back to sport with a high ankle sprain. So Josh, welcome uh, to this episode on Sports Medicine Weekly.
2: Yeah, first, uh, thanks, Dr. Cole, for having me back on. Um, I appreciate the opportunity to come back on here and talk about a little bit different injury this time. Yeah, why do you you think it's important
0: uh, in, in your world to actually help our listeners understand the difference between a high ankle sprain and a traditional ankle sprain?
2: Yeah, I think the biggest piece early on that you've already kind of touched on is the education piece that, like you said, it's not your normal ankle sprain to where your normal ankle sprain, you're kind of rolling that ankle in, whereas a high ankle sprain is going to be a significantly longer healing time. um, And we're going to have some different structures that are affected there. So um, it's going to be a much slower progression into getting back to weight bearing. So... Share with us from your perspective, um, when when you see these
0: patients, are they typically referred in from sports medicine physicians or primary care physicians um, or even orthopedic surgeons? Is that how these patients are getting to you?
2: Yeah, definitely. I would say primarily sports medicine physicians are kind of recognizing this and then uh, getting them to PT pretty early. And, and when they come in, are they often
0: uh, under the impression that, hey, I just told, was told I sprained my ankle, I don't really know much about it, um, and they, they're not really well informed? Or are you getting a sense that on the physician
2: side, just before the referral, that they actually know that they have something different? Uh, that, that can definitely be the case. I think that the sports medicine physicians do a really good job of kind of educating the patients and letting them know kind of the nature of the injury and the rehab time. So that makes my job easier, for sure, once they're getting to P.T., um, but if not, then that, I just take that role too, that kind of the education piece of letting him know, um, usually about a minimum of six to eight weeks, if not longer, obviously it just kind of depends on the severity there.
0: Yeah. So what's, what's interesting is the anatomy of the ankle is, has a number of ligaments. And when people hear the term sprain, they, they don't really understand exactly what that means, but a sprain is really a tear of a ligament. And, and the good news is that most of these things will heal. Uh, and they're rarely associated with ankle instability or, uh, a, uh, a fracture but sometimes these can be associated with ankle instability the the ligaments that you know for, from a technical perspective there's there's the, the ligaments are these what we call the tibio fibular ligaments it, h- it helps connect the tibia and the fibula and there's one in on the front called the anterior, and there's one on the back and then probably the most important difference is that's something we call the interosseous membrane this is a, a collagen really dense tissue that stabilizes the tibia and the fibula and it's it's related and connected in the middle space between the two bones of the foot and the ankle. So when x-rays are taken and patients actually get a chance to see their x-rays, um, they, they, it's not low down where you typically see an ankle sprain, but this is one where it's a little bit higher up. And it, it's, it's certainly, good, the good news is less common than a standard ankle sprain. You know, high ankle sprains I see very frequently in basketball, but certainly you see them in high stress, high contact uh, 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 related uh, sports such as football and, and wrestling. But I've even seen them in skiing, ice hockey, and, and, and soccer. You know, what's interesting is that um, even as a, a, an individual uh, who's, who's an athlete or really active who has one of these, they can almost, you know, in some degree, you, you can kind of figure out how severe these things are. So, we tend to use this grading system, which gives you a rough idea. So, grade one is a very mild sprain. And from my perspective, the ankle is stable. X-rays are normal. Where we start to get into potential trouble is these grade two injuries where it's associated with partial damage to the endosmosis, the ligaments between the tibia and the fibula. Uh, generally, the x-rays are still normal, and this is often still a non-surgical situation. Um, but it does have to be assessed to confirm. Uh, and then there's a grade three injury, which is a really, it's really a complete injury between that collagen band between the tibia and the fibula. And then there's widening between the space, and that's one that often occurs with a fracture and may actually need surgery, so it's important to know when uh, uh, when to actually see a physician. Now, as we mentioned, these are much less common, which is good news. Uh, but uh, when they do when they do occur, I think uh, some of them, uh, physical therapy is actually an important part of it. So, Josh, you know, th- throwing it back to you, when you see these patients, are they typically in a boot or a stirrup, and are they very very swollen and very painful? You know, what stage of the game are you getting them to try to get them into the recovery phase and getting them back to sport?
2: Yeah, definitely pretty early. Um, they may have a, may be in a boot may uh, even have kind of a weight bearing precaution. So being cognizant of all of that um, may be pretty irritable, too, in the early stages of rehab. So I like to kind of keep exercise early on, on a tolerable scale of about under a three or four out of 10 on the visual analog scale. So some discomfort is okay, but we definitely don't want to be blowing past that early on in rehab. You know, it's interesting when you do when you talk to them, do you ask them about the sports that they participate in? Yeah, absolutely. And um, I would say that definitely comes into play a little bit later in rehab when we're getting back to more kind of sport specific plyometric type movements, things like that, that we can really emphasize things that they need to be able to do in their sport. Yeah. It, it, what's fascinating is it, it, it represents a very small
0: population, of high ankle sprain compared to normal ankle sprains. You know, it's probably less than, than 5%. But if you look, if you look across like the NFL or, uh, you know, or college football, 25% of all sprains are actually high ankle sprains. When you get up to American hockey players, um, uh, are often high ankles. They've had a high ankle sprain. So you can use the sport to almost give you this relative risk profile. Um, I was, you know, when I looked up, when we did some of the research in this area, we were impressed to see how frequent it was in, in our hockey players, especially, and it probably obviously has to do with lacing of the, of the, of the, of the skate and so forth in terms of where they, where they get stability or where they don't get stability. That's, uh, but I think knowing their sport is actually very, very important. Uh, has that been your sense that you sort of, when they come in, you're like, I think I know what I'm getting here when you, when they walk in the office and you see how they're immobilized in a boot and you from their initial presentation
2: yeah i think so and I, I think the initial stages of kind of getting someone re uh acclimated to weight bearing uh, that's pretty similar between sports but later on in rehab when we get a little bit more specific we can really take that into account and really get creative in their rehab as well so walk me through the phases when they come to see you um w-
0: let's say they're a week out after this injury and they're appropriately referred to you uh um uh, Tell me,
2: tell me how you think about it in phases, and what should, how do you manage the expectations of the athlete? Yeah, um, I think early on, kind of depending on what what grade or severity of the injury it was, we're getting them reacclimated to weight bearing forces. So we can start with something as simple as like weight shifting and standing to their tolerance. In addition, we can start with something like light isometrics, where we're getting the muscles to work there, but we're not necessarily moving the joint through a full range of motion yet. Um, from there, we can progress to kind of more full weight bearing and more isotonic exercises where now we are moving the joint through a range of motion. Um, an emphasis here on we want to normalize gait mechanics, kind of restore full range of motion. Um, throughout this process here, we want to gradually increase the challenge with balance and proprioceptive exercises. And then getting to the opposite end of the spectrum, we want to end with more kind of sport specific plyometric movements, and more kind of eccentric strengthening movements and getting them, you know, prepared for their return to sport demands. One of the things that we have in the training room for, uh,
0: in the NBA is uh, a device. It's a telos device where they, I don't know if you have that in your, in, at Rush PT or any of the centers, but um, it's a device that really works towards, it's, it's almost like a game for the athletes and they use it for prevention. Uh, But we also use it for recovery where it emphasizes this visual feedback in terms of how you position your leg on a a platform that has a lot of degrees of freedom. So you're basically standing a single leg, sometimes double, but single leg on a platform that um, is highly mobile and you need your brain to connect to your foot and ankle, to your lower extremity, this concept of proprioception. Uh, tell me a little bit about what you do to help reestablish those connections between the brain and the foot and the ankle. Because what's fascinating is like there's some ankle sprains that happen where you just land on another player or an opponent and there's not a, there's not a thing you can do about that. You know, there's, there's no preventative strategy when you have a high velocity come off the ground and land on someone else. But a lot of these happen actually later in competition, as I mentioned, most of these actually occur while in competition, not while practicing. And that's when you can't predict this sort of this external force or a change in direction or what an opponent's gonna do. I think that's often why it happens. It's not much different than why you how you tear an ACL. Um, you rarely you rarely see an A C L injury, for example, in practice or scrimmage or in isolation. You almost always see it in competition. So there's this there's this belief anyway that proprioception, the the the, the, the under, our brains understanding of where our limbs are in space and time is really important. So when do you engage in those activities? And what are the, some of the methods that you use to reestablish those neural connections, those brain connections to prevent
2: injury? Yeah, I think um, as soon as they can have kind of full weight bearing with minimal discomfort, we're working on that early on. Um, as much as we can to scale it up in the clinic, especially for a higher level athlete, we want to do that. So Incorporating things like uh, dual tasks, um, reaching outside of their of support, um, variable, unstable surfaces, um, anything like that, where we can, you know, increase their capacities and uh, hopefully get them back to those return to sport commands. What do you? What are the devices you use, and you know, what's available to actually
0: do this in a clinic setting?
2: Yeah, um, one really cool one that we just got is um, they're called Blaze Pods, where it's actually a little light. And you can have the athlete, you know, on a single limb stance on an unstable surface and they can be these lights. There's usually about a pack of about six of them and they'll light up and you can swipe your hand over the light and then a different one will light up. So you can add something like that to give them like a cognitive task to where they're not really paying full attention to their limb, which is what they're going to need to be able to do when they go back to their sport. So that's a really cool kind of newer neurocognitive device that we've been able to use. What's um, what, We often are using these, you know, you, you draw the
0: alphabet with your foot and things like that, and it gives a patient something they do at home. What's the premise behind that?
2: Yeah, I think that, that's just kind of an easy way to get someone back to all the ankle motion. So, you know, like inversion, eversion, plantar flexion, dorsiflexion, um, it's easy, it's simple, it's, um, can help with their, it, you know, home exercise program adherence a little bit, but, um, really that getting them to move, especially in inversion, eversion, which maybe movements that they've probably never done before or something like that. Yeah. So I think, you know,
0: what, what you're hearing is that, you know, high ankle sprains are, uh, less common, but they often occur in, uh, uh at the time of competition, uh, they, they have a much slower return uh, to sport. And I've, I've had athletes that have traditional ankle sprains where we can get them back in less than a week uh, when they feel well, the so-called grade one out of that three grade scale. Uh, but high ankle sprains, are, are they're, they're more than a nuisance. And if they are not the highest level, which can, often, which can actually require surgery, they still require a lot of time to get back. So it's important that they go through this protected weight-bearing phase and just to help the ligaments calm down and get rid of the swelling and start to improve some mobility. Um, but then when you take over and get their mobility back, uh, get their weight bearing going, uh, start doing some isometric strengthening, and then you get into the prevention mode during that recovery, which is what we call proprioception. You know, what are what, get, explain to me in your mind how long some of the average timelines are that you can safely get an athlete back to sport. And tell me a little bit about how you assess their readiness to get back.
2: Yeah, I would say um, a minimum six to eight weeks. Um, Definitely if they're going back to kind of, you know, a higher level sport, it might be a little bit longer, maybe closer to about 10 or 12. Um, Things that we can do, um, you know, to uh, assess their readiness to return to sport would be um, uh, isometric type testing where we're comparing, you know, side to side plantar flexion strength. Um, There's the hop tests, which we can use not only for ACLs, but we can also use those for something like this too. Um, so there's a, a bunch of different hop tests you can use. I would say those are the main two. So let's,
0: let's talk a little bit about timelines. What, what are you, what are you used to in terms of, uh, cause that's the, really the first question most of our active patients want to know is how long is this going to take?
2: Yeah, I would, um, I would say roughly a good timeline is somewhere between about six to 12 weeks. Um, definitely. If you're coming back before six, you're going to be putting yourself potentially at an increased injury risk. So, again, we're visiting with uh, for
0: this episode with Josh James. He's a a doctor of physical therapy with Rush PT. And this is one condition, uh, ankle sprains and specifically high ankle sprains, where I really rely on uh, uh, you, our therapist, to to get our athletes back uh, to sport, Um, you know, finishing, you know, when they're done, they're ready, you're getting them back. Uh, how do we prevent it? What are some of the things that we can do to actually provide preventative measures uh, for, their, for our patients and our active, our active athletes?
2: Yeah, I think um, I would put that into kind of three categories. The first being, um, does the athlete or patient have the strength that they need to be able to play their sport? Um, second being, do they have the balance or the single limb stability that they need to be able to play their sport? And then um, lastly, I think there's a lot of value in getting a dynamic warm-up prior to playing. So especially if you have uh, basketball athletes in particular, um, especially these adolescent athletes who are traveling to these AAU tournaments and sitting in a car for two to three hours, and then they're going to get out and go play a game immediately. But um, there's some value in a dynamic warmup of getting some sports specific kind of graded and progressive movements and getting the body ready for full speed activity. Do you have any when you're when your patients are
0: asking you, you know, what about bracing or taping or stirrups? Do you have any words of wisdom on that?
2: Yeah, I would think um, it's useful. Um, I would definitely, it should be kind of a added protection though. I think your base movement should be, you're working on things like your proprioception, your strength to kind of really strengthen your ankle as well as up the kinetic chain as well. But some added protection, especially while you're playing basketball, I think is fine. Yeah, I I agree. And and the thing about taping
0: is taping does tend to break down by halftime. uh, And so we actually will retape uh frequently. Uh ankle braces actually do have some good data in preventing injury. Um a lot of the athletes don't like them, so we always get in this battle preseason for some of the sports we cover, um, you know, at the collegiate level, say DePaul or uh at the professional level. And um it's you know some athletes in college when they're not used to doing it, if they ever get to the professional level, they're not they don't like the transition, I can tell you that much. They just don't like the feeling of it. Uh when they, when people have had a couple of ankle sprains and they do early treatment. Um, they come in with a history and understanding that taping is important. It's a much easier sale, but we do like to tape. And there is a, a bit of data that you can actually uh, minimize the chance for injury, but taping is an art and not everyone has access to that. So in the in lieu of that ankle bracing after someone's recovered can be actually effective in preventing injury. So just all things to, th- to think about. So Josh, I, I appreciate you taking the time and helping educate our listeners. This is a, a it's a great topic because uh, people think, well, ankle sprain no big deal, but this is one that can be severe enough that can prevent present to an orthopedic surgeon, foot and ankle specialist actually needs surgery if there's instability. So if you have uh, an ankle sprain and it's a little bit higher up uh, going up the bone, the outer bone on the, on the so-called fibula, uh, these can be associated with ankle instability, uh, a change in position of uh, the two bones, the tibia and the fibula. Uh, they can be associated with a fracture and it's amazing. You may not even think you have a fracture because there's just a small crack, but it signifies that there's been a significant, uh, ligament injury. Those can require surgery. So, uh, all things that people have to understand. So, uh, at any rate, I appreciate, uh, you providing your words of wisdom, Josh. This is an area where we depend on you as a physical therapist to help get our athletes back. And, uh, any final words on,
2: uh, uh the importance of the, the syndesmotic injury, the high ankle sprain? Um, I think we covered it. I think one final point that I would touch on is in rehab. We always want to look at not just the joint, but up the chain as well. So other things that could have been kind of contributors to that ankle sprain, hip strength, core strength, all that is important as well.
0: Yeah, great. Uh, I agree with you. So, uh, thank you. You've uh, been listening to yet another episode of sports medicine weekly, all things health, injury prevention, nutrition, uh, a variety of topics that uh people don't really get to hear about this expertise uh, elsewhere and uh it's important for our, our listeners to know that all of our net proceeds from our sponsors go to sport orthopedic research at uh in the department of sports medicine and Rush university medical center and orthopedics
1: if you enjoyed this episode don't forget to subscribe and please leave us a five-star review make sure to also follow us on social media on facebook Twitter, and Instagram, or visit our website, sportsmedicineweekly.com. Net proceeds from Sports Medicine Weekly go to support research at Rush University Medical Center in the Department of Orthopedics. The Sports Medicine Weekly podcast is brought to you by Midwest Orthopedics at Rush. Being your best means always getting better. Whether you're looking to improve performance, relieve chronic back pain, or restore mobility through minimally invasive joint replacement surgery, Midwest Orthopedics at Rush delivers results. Their specialists are top ranked in Illinois and among the nation's best, working together to make your recovery faster, more complete, and a seamless experience. They'll get you back to living pain-free, often without surgery, so you can be your best every day. Schedule an appointment online at RushOrtho.com. JRF Ortho. JRF Ortho partners with orthopedic surgeons to improve the quality of life of patients by enabling them to have an active life through the generous gift of cartilage and ligament transplantation. Please go to jrfortho.org to learn more or sign up to be a tissue donor at donatelife.net. With over 205 years of combined experience successfully representing victims of personal injury and wrongful death matters, the attorneys of Tomasik, Coton, Kasserman are committed to working for you. Reach them at 312 605 8800 or on the web at tkklaw.com. Karen Malkin Health Counseling. Have you tried Karen Malkin's new protein brownie bar and superfood bars? They're the best tasting bars on the market. Certified gluten free, paleo, and no added sugar. Karen's protein brownie bars and superfood bars available on Amazon and at KarenMalkin.com. You do a lot of listening in your lifetime. You listen to your doctor, your spouse, and this podcast. It's time to listen to your body. At Rush Physical Therapy, our expert therapists can help you get rid of your aches and pains to get you back to what you love. Go to RushPT.com to learn more.